Hello, you're listening to the Let's Talk Future podcast series presented by Oppenheimer. If you're interested in the economy, markets, and investing in general, you've come to the right place. This series was created to fascinate and enlighten every type of investor. Curious about the latest consumer trends? How about innovations in healthcare or technology? The Let's Talk Future series definitely has you covered. Through timely and relevant conversations, we deliver some of the best thought leadership in the financial services industry. Our renowned hosts and guests explore big questions and big ideas and leave you with actionable insights. In this episode, our guest is Tyler Vittori, consumer sector analyst and executive director of lodging, leisure, residential real estate at Oppenheimer. And our host is Jane Ross, managing director of investment banking at Oppenheimer. This episode was recorded on April 26, 2023. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to our episode called Home Builders Are in Vogue, But Can It Last? I'm your host, Jane Ross, and we're here with Tyler Batori of Oppenheimer. Now, when this year started, we were coming off a tough year for home builder stocks, given higher interest rates and persistent fears of an economic slowdown. So one would be excused for thinking that this home builder underperformance would continue in 2023, but no. This year, these stocks are in vogue and strongly outperforming the S&P. We'll discuss why that is, the underlying themes and trends, and whether this can continue. Our guest, Tyler Batori, is an executive director and senior analyst at Oppenheimer. He covers lodging, leisure, and residential real estate. He has over 10 years' experience in the field and is a stock-picking award recipient. So with all of that, welcome, Tyler. Great, Jane. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Well, you've had a busy week. We had a lot of macro news. We got more regional bank fears. How's it going? Never a dull day, right, in, in housing or in, or in markets. And, you, know, you mentioned the, the regional bank issue, which is certainly top of mind with, with First Republic. And you know, it's not something that's going away anytime soon and, and impacting markets. But an interesting juxtaposition here with earnings in my space, the data, in housing, it's been very strong. There's a number of home builder stocks this week that have reached all-time highs. So I think a couple of things to, to unpack. I mean, just with respect to the, the regional banking topic, there's lots of fears about a credit crunch and what might happen. You know, we haven't seen any impact so far to mortgage underwriting standards. I would note that really since the great financial crisis, standards have been pretty strict anyway. So it's in a way tough to even more stringent, but no real change on that front, I think what's important for housing is, is demand is still strong, despite all the headlines out there. And this is something that we've heard from the builders that have reported earnings. Demand for housing really bottomed in November of last year and has improved sequentially into April. We got new home sales numbers, according to the Census Bureau. Let's support that. We got those earlier this week. Data for, for March, um, adjusted sales were up 10% month over month. That's the best month over month growth since August. So obviously we're watching the macro and certainly if there is a recession or a serious downturn, uh, I think folks are less likely to buy a house. But so far the trend lines look, look quite strong for housing and for the builders too. Well, so let's talk about that a little bit more. And you talked about, you know, existing home sales and new home sales. And there's this theme about supply of homes. Can you talk a little bit more about those issues? Yes. So are very focused on the housing economic data that comes out every month. And unfortunately, it's on a little bit of a lag. We sit here near the end of April and we're just getting 
information for, for March, but the data still encapsulates the entire country. So still important to, to pay attention to. And I think a, a couple of things that I'll, that I'll highlight, I mean, the, the messaging overall is that housing is healing, but it's still really a little bit of a tale of two cities. So I'll, I'll explain that. If you look at new home sales, that's a metric that's reported by the Census Bureau. They give a seasonally adjusted annual rate. If you look at the data for March, that was the highest print since March of last year. You're down about 3% from that high watermark. If you look at the existing home sales, that's data that's reported by the National Association of Realtors. The seasonally adjusted sales rate in March was back to the fall of 2022. So improvement, but not quite as good as new home sales. If you look at the existing home sales in March, they're down about 22% from where they were in March of 2022. So definitely improvement in both of those metrics. They have bounced off that bottom, which was really near the end of 2022, but it's really the new side of things that has bounced more and is more healthy than the existing home sales side of things. And you think that that's going to continue, right? There are things that favor those new home sales trends. Yes, we, we do. And if you look first, at the existing side of things, our view is that existing home inventory is impaired. And so what, is, what does that mean? So if you look right now at the seasonally adjusted number of homes for sale, again, this is all data according to the National Association of Realtors, right now it's about under 1 million homes, which is basically at an all-time low. 2 million is more normal for this time of year. We've had previous periods of time where there's upwards of 4 million homes for sale. So basically, there aren't a whole lot of people in the market, putting their home on the market up for sale against, in fact, near the lowest point in in history. And the reason why has to do with interest rates. So right now, the prevailing mortgage rate is about 6.5% in the market, but about 85% of US homeowners have a mortgage rate below 5%. About 50% have a mortgage rate that's below 4%. These are folks that bought their home several years ago, perhaps they refinanced, and the math doesn't really work. If you own a home with a 3% mortgage to sell that home, you're probably gonna buy a property that has a higher price. And then you're also gonna have a 6.5% rate. Your monthly payment could, could more than double, which is a pretty major dissuading factor in terms of selling your house and, and moving. Um, it's pretty unique versus history too, because most of the time mortgage rates go lower. So the opposite dynamic is actually in play. So what that means, is it's an opportunity for new home sales and for home builders to take market share because they have the inventory, they're growing supply. And you know, typically when we have this data going back to the, to the 1980s, about 10% to 15% on average of all homes for sale are, are new homes. So the other 85% to 90% are the resale or existing homes. Right now, that number is about 30% in terms of new homes and their market share, which is the highest that it's it's ever been. Okay, but for the buyer who's buying a new home, mortgage rates are not low. They're up off of last year. So affordability becomes an issue when you're looking at those new home sales. So what do we think about that? So the mortgage rate topic, mortgage rates matter, but they don't. Really? And that's a very, that's a very provocative statement Within, within housing circles. Because logically you think about this, as rates go up, the monthly payment gets more expensive, demand goes down, and the opposite can happen as, as well. But we think it's more important right now to focus on 
volatility and the trajectory of interest rates. So if you go back and rewind the clock to March of 2022, when rates were about 4%, pretty much every week during 2022, there were periods of time where, where rates dipped, but pretty much every week rates were going higher, pretty, pretty consistent and, and a pretty dramatic move in, in a very short period of time. So a lot of folks that are starting their home buying process, they're on Zillow and the rate is 4%. Two weeks later, they go back and the rate is 5% and they're just shocked at, at what happened. So it causes a lot of buyers to pull back. What you've seen since November is the mortgage rate has been pretty consistent in the 6 to 7% range. So now if you're starting that home buying process on Zillow in, in January, the rate was 6.5%. We're sitting here in April, the rate is also 6.5%. So it's just less of a hurdle for you. And, and home buying is fairly the largest purchase that you're ever going to make, hopefully ever have to make in your life. So there's a little bit of a psychology that goes on here. So when you see the stability in rates, that's something that gets you a little bit more comfortable. I think one of the other big things to focus on is what the home builders are able to do to solve this affordability problem. Because obviously, if rates are six and a half percent right now, you can't afford the same home that you could have you know, when rates were 3% because the monthly payment is just, it's just higher. What the home builders are able to do, and it's a pretty significant competitive advantage of their business model, they can actually go out to the market and buy down that mortgage rate. So that affordability conversation is completely different on the new home side of things. So right now, if I was going to go out and buy a home, I would be getting my mortgage at 6.5%. If I were going to buy from a home builder, they would be able to offer me 5%, maybe five and a half percent, maybe even four and a half percent. So this affordability discussion is completely different. If you just do this math, you go from a six and a half percent rate to a five percent rate on a $400,000 home, that's almost a 15% reduction in your monthly payment. It's an extra $350 in your pocket. And it could be the difference between being able to afford the home and not being able to afford the home. So that aspect is again unique within the home builder business model and not only do they have more inventory they have this extra tool on the rate buy down side of things with incentives that is allowing them to take more market share when we're looking at, at ultimate sales as well okay well that was a good answer but let me throw another one at you what about issues around inflation cost of materials supply chain, you know, we've read a lot about how those things are sort of making it more difficult for the home builders. What do you think? So there's good news and bad news on this on this topic. And and you know, for last year and even you know when COVID really first hit, there was a tremendous amount of supply chain disruption. And I think that's been been fairly well covered by the media. And to be frank, when, when home builders are looking at pricing the homes, I mean, they want to sell the homes. So the demand and the supply that's out there is definitely an aspect of that. But they also look at profitability and they do look at how expensive it is to build the home. That does obviously go into factor what, what it's going to price. I mean, you're not going to sell a home if you're going to be losing money on it, ideally, especially the, the, the public builder. So with costs going up so much, they were raising prices very aggressively. And obviously, they, they could do that and push those price increases through. You know, the market softened, obviously, last year, less demand. Um, you know, we talked about the incentives, the number of builders have cut prices as well. So you would think at a high level, well, that's a really bad thing for home builders if they got to hit their, their business model. 
But what we've seen is these supply chain disruptions have really eased. And I think a lot of the disruptions were, were just simply COVID related. I mean, you have COVID outbreaks in factories, they had to shut down, that impacted the supply. There was not only a lot of demand from home buyers and home construction, but you look at remodeling, the number of people that were trying to build decks or repair their homes during COVID was really was really tremendous and just exacerbated the problem and, and, and made, it, made it worse. So where we are right now, uh, if you look at all of the line items in a home builder's income statement, lumber is the one that really sticks out as being significantly lower. If you look in Q1, you look at the futures price right now for lumber, it's about $350, so it's over 1,000 a year ago. And part of the price decline relates to more supply, more capacity that has come on in the market. You've seen some other areas of commercial construction that have slowed down, some of that remodeling that has slowed down as well. But you look at all the other line items, they're still up year over year, but the positive is they're up less than they were last year. So I'll give you a, a quick example. Um, if you look at drywall, obviously drywall is very important when you're building a house, it's the, the walls. If you look at last year, so Q1 of 2022, drywall costs were up about 15% year over year on average. That's a pretty pretty significant jump. If you look this year, and obviously the, the, the comps are more favorable, the year over year increases about 6% on average. So you're still up 6%, but not quite as extreme as you were before. And our argument would be you're up 6% now, I think the rest of the year, that number's going to go even lower just as the supply chain continues to return to normal. Because it's something that we've heard from the builders, you know, you're still not back to where you were pre-COVID. If you look just at how long it takes to build a home, you know, right now, it could be about nine months, depending on the home. You know, it's a couple of weeks faster than it was, you know, a couple of quarters ago, but still a long way from about the six months that it used to take before. So still some issues that are out there, but we're certainly moving in the right direction. And what about the demand side of the equation? You know, who's buying homes? What do you think about the long-term trends of demand? Yeah, so I, I think a couple of things. I mean, I, you know, one of the biggest changes to come along um, and impact the housing market was, was really COVID and then the resulting uh, flexible work policies that came from that. And you could argue that, that COVID and, and flexible work has, has impacted a, a lot of things. But, you know, you kind of go back to the, the good old days, if you will, or the, or the days pre-COVID. I mean, more likely than not, you were commuting to an office five days a week, maybe, you know, four days if you were, if you were lucky. So how long that commute was, how long you were willing to suffer in traffic was, was definitely a big aspect in terms of where you were going to live. You know, now a lot of companies, you know, people go in the office two days a week, three days a week. Um, some people don't go into the office at all. So suddenly that commute starts to be a lot less important to you. So, you know, maybe before you wanted to live an hour away from the office, you know, maybe now if you're only going in two days a week, you would live two hours away. So suddenly where you are willing to live and how far out you're willing to go, that just opens up. And then, you know, obviously if you're 100% remote, you know, the world is really your oyster in terms of where you want to live. But what, what's, what's key here is if you're spending all this time at home, you probably ideally don't want a studio apartment, especially if you have kids, you want a separate area to handle meetings, separate area to work. So that's really where the extra space provided by a home starts to come into play. You know, I also think that the demographics here are really important to point out and really favor home ownership. 
you know, this millennial generation that a lot of people talk about, you can put some numbers around this. Um, there's about 45 million people right now in this 30 to 39 age brackets. If you rewind the clock back about 10 years, that 30 to 39 age bracket was under 40 million. So there's an incremental of almost 5 million people in that age bracket right now. And just the sheer size of that generation, um, a lot of these millennials, they're undertaking some of their major life milestones a little bit later in life. And if you look at what causes people to buy homes, usually, you know, it's marriage and it's having kids. And if you look at the statistics that are out there in terms of the average age of marriage, you look at when people are having children, just doing it later in life than they were before. So you, know, you kind of look at this and again, to be very, very simple about it, there's a lot of people that are in their prime home buying age right now that don't yet own a home that we think are going to want to own a home pretty soon. So those are the people that we would really highlight are going to be out there in the market looking to buy their home. All right. So you've painted a pretty rosy picture about the, the macro um, state of affairs. What about the home builder stocks and, and this group? What are you thinking here? Yeah, so they, you mentioned they've been fairly significant outperformers versus the S&P so far this year. I mean, I joke, all time is a long time. And you look at DR Horton stock and Pulte stock hitting all-time highs this week, um, really strong performance. I think when you look at the sector, it's important to take a step back and really kind of look at what's happened over the last three years. Obviously, you had COVID, which turned out to be a good thing for the builders. You had the supply chain disruptions that we talked about, you had the dramatic move higher in interest rates last year. Look, I understand a lot of companies had to deal with similar issues, but for the builders, those three are pretty significant. And this time last year was probably one of the worst environments for home sales in more than a decade. I mean, it's pretty unusual to see some of these numbers down 20, 30, 40% even. So things were really bad. I mean, it was definitely a housing downturn. And then you fast forward, you look at where we are today, and you look at these companies, you know, leverage has never been lower across the space. Your balance sheets have never been in a better position. Gross margins returns are still strong and above historical levels. There's been no distress whatsoever in, in the sector, no, no issues in terms of bankruptcies or anything like that. So I look at this and I'm kind of like, that, that, that's it. That was it. We had this big downturn and, and this is where we and this is where we are. So I think these management teams, first of all, deserve a lot of credit for navigating these disruptions. You know, you look how they got into trouble last time. There's a lot of speculation around lands, really focused too much on growth for growth's sake. Uh, you know, the companies now, they've just, they've just gotten smarter. I think they learned a lot of lessons. There are a lot of scars from the great financial crisis and they're managing the business much differently now. So we really do think it's a, it's a situation where this time is different, not only for the, for the industry, you know, in terms of the tailwinds that we've discussed with new homes taking market share, but also for these companies as well in terms of their strategic positioning and, and how they're managed too. So let's talk about what you like in here. Um, so Pulte Homes, that's ticker PHM, is our, is our top idea in this space. And, and that's the name that we would focus on to really express this positive view that we have on the home builders. A couple things I'll note about this company. So they have a balanced buyer exposure. So what does that mean? They sell homes to first-time buyers. They sell homes to uh, move-up buyers, so people that already, already own a home that are buying a bigger buyer. They sell uh, into age-restricted communities, so typically 55 up 
So a pretty broad range of exposure in terms of where they're selling their, their, their homes. And I think that diversification is a positive and what is still a fairly volatile environment. But I would really point to that move up buyer, which is really their bread and butter. That's the person who already owns a home or maybe owns an apartment and is interested in customizing their home. And when interest rates were going much higher, the build time on a custom home was a little bit longer. There's a lot of risk there. But now I think with interest rates stabilizing, that buyer's been on the sidelines. Interest rates stabilize. I think there's an opportunity where there are plenty of folks out there. You know, they're renting apartments right now, um, or maybe they are in a home that's too small. And just motivation for them to kind of take that take that step and look towards you know, some of these custom type homes. So I think I think that is 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 a is a real tailwind for them. You know, also because they're making these or building these custom homes, they have a substantial backlog of homes that they've already sold. So just less variability in terms of their earnings, because you've already sold these homes, you're just going to finish them, and then you can bring them through your income statement. And what that does is contributes to higher gross margin, higher returns than some of the peers that are out there in the space. If you compare Pulte to the other home builders, they're going to have the highest margin this year, they're going to have the highest return on equity, that we think is a positive. And then when you look at this management team, they were really on the forefront in terms of the shift towards allocating capital and returning it to shareholders. I mean, traditionally, home builders, they take the capital and they, they try to grow and just buy more land. Pulte was pretty early in this shift a number of years ago, uh, buying back their own stock. They've actually reduced the share count by over, by over 40% over the last five or so years. So pretty big focus on returning that capital to shareholders, which we like. And then you look at the valuation you know, sometimes we use price to buck, sometimes earnings multiples and in combination of both for the home builder sector, you know, earnings is, is easy to look at. I mean, it's not the trades at a seven times PE right now. So that's seven times on 2023 earnings. It's normally a multiple, normally a stock that, that that's in the 10 times range. So it's had a big move. You know, we think there's a number of structural tailwinds here that they're exposed to. And, you know, the valuation from our perspective doesn't look that demanding either. So Pulte Homes, PHM is is our favorite idea here in the space. All right. Well, I think we've done it. We asked the question, can it continue? And I think we've answered that question. So thank you so much for your time, Tyler. Great, Jane. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Future. We know your podcast listening options are endless, so we're glad you're spending time with us. Don't miss out on our next episode and remember to subscribe today. Join our community to expand your thoughts on business, the markets, and the dynamic forces affecting them. It's time to talk future.